Hello world and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer and you are listening to the podcast Coulda Woulda Shoulda where I focus on not living in regret and forming high functioning habits. I want to inspire you to transform your thoughts for a happier and higher functioning life. We are what we think and we get lost in limiting beliefs. We don't eat well, we don't take charge of our money, manage our commitments and then wonder why we are stressed, overweight, in pain and unhappy with our lives. I haven't met anyone that can't change their mind. That's why I always say, see you on the flip side, as I want to journey with you on coming out the other side. Side of what you might ask? Well, that's up to you. Good morning, world. Shelly Shearer here, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me here today. As usual, had a great coaching call this morning. It's just got, got into a habit here that my podcast comes right after that. And as usual, always have a new topic when, I, when I've had a call with Adam. There is a scripture in the Bible that says, so, um, so a man thinketh, that shall he be. I think I haven't quite said that right, but you get the general idea. And you know, it is very, very true. Uh, in fact, that is a huge belief system and sort of a coaching um, platform in the secular world as well. Uh, law of attraction, you know, what a man thinks, uh, the, the book Think and Grow Rich. What we focus on will manifest in our life. That is just the deal. So if you're constantly focused on the negative, that's what you're unfortunately going to manifest in your life over and over again. And then you'll be asking yourself, why is it always just negative? Because that's what you're thinking about. I remember being in a course years ago and uh, it kind of changed things for me in a really big way. The gentleman was talking, and this was in my late 20s, about... And I, and I have mentioned this before, so I apologize for, for listeners that have heard me say this before. I'm talking about what, how we think and what we focus on. And he said the difference between, say, for instance, you don't have a good relationship with your mother. And you focus all the time, I'm not going to be like my mother. Well, you're going to be exactly like your mother. Because what you're giving power to is being like your mother. Versus he was stating in this course... You want to say, I want to be this type of parent. So you focus on the type of parent you want to be, not on any negativity about what you don't want to be. Now, we happen to just use mother as the example in this, but it could be anything in life. If you're focusing on the, I don't want to do that, be that, think that, you're, that's exactly what you're going to attract into your life. So one of the things Adam, Adam and I were talking about this morning that I want to give you a chance to think about in your life is don't think that. <laughs> I know it seems rather simple, but the bottom line is the average person has a really, really tough time with this. And in fact, I was having a tough time with this this morning and last night a little bit. Just some things going on in my life where it was, you know, you give power to what you what you think about and my thoughts were a bit negative. And, you know, just to be completely honest, I had a small fight with my husband this morning and he marched out to work, you know, didn't even, without a goodbye, didn't even know he had left until he looked out and realized his truck was gone and we'll be fine. We always are. He's gone to his man cave to think about a few things and I needed to back away and not think the negative things I was thinking, but to give power to the positive things. This man's in my life for a reason. I love him for a reason. Um, we have this amazing home that we are, have a, uh, been able to bring in students and that's helped pay our bills, but we also give them this fantastic, safe environment to be in. And that is just, just makes us feel amazing. We have so much to be grateful for. Most of us do, especially in North America. 
Bottom line is though, we get tripped up on stuff and then we start dwelling and dwelling, oh my. Dwelling is a path that leads straight to circling the drain if you are not careful. What you take in changes you. And that is why I talk so much about watching, you know, what you read, what you watch on TV, conversations that you allow yourself to be part of. Um, Adam made a joke today. I mean, it was a little bit of a joke, but he said to me about how talking with friends and having conversations, he said, there's some people in my life, he says, that I just don't hang with anymore or whatever, because I literally do, I'm not going to sit around talking about the Kardashians. And I, I sort of giggled at it, but at the same token, Yes, he's absolutely right. And yes, I have definitely had the same um, epiphany in my own life for, for a long time now. But then I also had to really give thought to the fact that I don't ever have those conversations. I live in this neighborhood of amazing women and people, but I just happen to have this amazing group of women here that are all very forward thinking. They're very open minded. I've got a lot of, you know, a lot of health nuts like I am. A bunch of us eat organically. We're always open to new health modalities. We're always about just being better and moving forward in our lives. And that is a gift. It is a gift when I forget sometimes when I step outside of this neighborhood and I see what's going on in the world around me and I'm like, oh my, is this how people live? Because that is not how I live. And sometimes I do not give enough gratitude for that. Now, I'm also going to own it because I attracted this into, into my life. Uh, Adam even kind of joked about how, you know, you built this amazing house many years ago and he's right. I made a dr an amazing dream come true, but that amazing dream also was located in a place that I attracted and wanted and needed in my life. And that was this neighborhood. And the interesting part is, you know, six years ago when I got sick with fibromyalgia and four years ago when we purchased this house, we moved up the street in the same neighborhood because this had a rental suite in it and we could afford it instead of downsizing into a townhouse. And it gave us options, but it kept us in this neighborhood. So we were, you know, so fortunate and so grateful. So I'm still, although my life looks different and someone else lives in my beautiful custom built home and enjoys it, I still have that support network around me. One of the things that was really interesting, and I think I spoke on it last week about not not comparing yourself and to be kind to yourself, but the big thing I remember I talked about last week was not comparing yourself. You can compare where you are in your life now with situ uh, examples of people around you about where you want to be. That is a very positive thing, but not to the detriment of your own self-worth where you're comparing yourself and feeling like you're not measuring up. That is not okay because you are wonderful and perfect just the way you are. And life is a journey. There may be people that have gotten to a place that you want to be already. They got there before you. That doesn't make you less. It just means you haven't learned their lessons yet. You haven't walked in their shoes yet. You just haven't got there yet. Very important when dealing with a marriage as well. This is why I just kind of bring it up with the, the thing this morning. It's important always when, in, when having an argument or having a disagreement or a discussion with your spouse <laughs> that you are clear and concise on the issues that need to be dealt with and not bringing in baggage, that you are kind to yourself and the other person. But confrontation still needs to happen. You still need to be able to, and you have to discuss life and finding solutions to things in your life. But you also have to understand that not both of you are always going to be on the same path at the same time. 
Now, my husband and I are very, very lucky in the fact that we have some significant baseline beliefs that we are on page with. Those core values, those are things, you know, helping other people, not lying, not cheating, um, being true to your word. And I guess that gets, again, we just have this gift of service. Oh, here's, I'll, I'll tell this funny story because, okay, this I laughed. Having a gift of service, we both have that. We're, we're always very open. We just help when it's needed. Um, I would find it very difficult, I think, to be with a person that I lived with anyways. I have friends that are this way and I'm, that's fine. They have other gifts. But for me, I am very grateful for the fact that I'm with someone that is like me that way. I know almost, and Keith does the same way, we could commit each other if we had to in a situation without checking with the other person, knowing they'd be 100% fine with the help that we have offered. Never, ever in the 20 years I've been with my husband has he ever turned to me and says, you did what? You committed me to what? If it was something that immediately aligned with his need to be helpful, he is like, oh, of course, sweetie, absolutely. I'm glad you did that in like Flynn and vice versa. We're very fortunate that way. But speaking of gifts, um, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. First of all, last Saturday was Granddaughter Day. And it was really important as well that I put these things in. It's very important as well that you put these things into practice in your own life with your own children, grandchildren, and those around you. Um, because they need to hear it. Children <clears throat> only believe what they're told when they're very young. That's why they can go left or right, depending on you know who's raising them. And one of the things I really want to uh, stress with my granddaughter is her self-worth. Because for some reason, being an only child, maybe broken home, really not sure what all the things that play a part of that. But she has often, since she was little, strived for attention. She's looking for it, of course, because you know she, she ha does come from a split home. I definitely noticed that in my own son when he was little. But for some reason, she struggles a little bit making friends. She's an amazingly bright young lady. But she comes across a little bit sometimes a bit needy, and that can put other kids off. And she's got to learn her own self-worth. Now, she's turning nine, and I'm really watching her grow into her own. But I believe it's our job as those that love her and are the adults in her life to continue. Her mother does this all the time because I know she repeats it to me that mommy says this and very positive reinforcement. You know, we're all beautiful. We're all fine just the way we are. We're all perfect. Her mother definitely reinforces that, which I'm just so proud of her for that. And I need to do the same thing as a grandmother to reinforce that again when she comes and tells me stuff that goes on at school and kids are being mean or they're being bullies to really really build a strong foundation for her that being friends with her is a privilege. She does not need to go beg friendships. Having people be friends with her, she needs to not be egotistical about it, but understand that she has value and her friendship is a privilege because there's no one more loyal than my granddaughter. She's just one of those little kids. She also has a gift of service. And how do I know? Because we're talking in the kitchen and she says, so grandma, I kind of got in trouble at school the other day because I was really a long time in the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, honey, what were you doing in the bathroom? Well, she says, every time I use the washroom after I've washed my hands, I like to wipe everything down. And I have to say, because it brought an immediate story to my head, I started laughing like right out loud. She's kind of looking at me. She goes, what? I says, oh, sweetheart. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute, but tell me what else went on with this, with your teacher. And so she tells the story and, and I says, okay, so you explained to the teacher what had happened. Yep. And she didn't get mad at you. No, but she says, I really did need to hurry back to class. I said, okay, fair enough. But let me tell you a little story. For many years now, since Adelaide was about three and a half, I have explained to her the gift of, of gifts of love language or the love language. 
is because we have different love languages. Her grandfather, myself, and her are all completely different. Her dad and I are both the same, but she's not. We realized by the time she was three and didn't want to cuddle and all that stuff anymore, her love language was definitely not touch. And gifts, yeah, she liked them, but it was like, gee, thank you, and off to the next thing. Do you want to play a game? Her gift is one, her uh, love language, sorry, is 100% quality time. She just wants you to spend time with him, her. My husband's is gifts. He wants to make you happy. He buys something for you. I can buy him even a $5 item, and he is, he feels loved. And I realized that it took me a long time to realize that because when I was, when we were younger and together, we had a little more expendable income and I had bought him a number of large ticket items or I took him on vacation and he was always happy. <laughs> what I didn't realize is that was his love language. And when the money went away, I wasn't paying attention to the small items, the little things I could still do for him. So he was feeling a little neglected. That has definitely been rectified, but you see what I'm saying? You, it doesn't have to be a $10,000 ATV. It can be a $10 la la la. Like I think I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back, me bringing home the Chinese food for him. Just doing something for him that says, here, I bought this for you. I did this for you to make you feel better. Yes, it's still all about me. Don't get me wrong because he's happy. I'm happy, but that's his love language. And, and when you learn these things about people, it is so much easier to, to kind of deal with them. The fact that I'm very clear on my love language being touch when I'm not getting enough physical affection in our marriage, it's easy for me to say to him, honey, I'm feeling neglected. And he understands what that is. It means give me a hug, kiss me, hold my hand once in a while, because he doesn't think of those things. They're not necessary in his life. As a matter of fact, it's, Unless you're giving him a foot rub, he really couldn't care less, <laughs> okay? People are different, and you need to understand that. And then, I did, I'm not going to use the word buy into, but if, if there's people that in your life that you want to make feel better, then understand them. And it just makes life so much easier. So she's telling me about this, the bathroom, and I'm saying, so remember the love language that we explained to you that you didn't like cuddling, watching TV anymore, you just wanted grandma to be with you in the same room or play a game with you or whatever. But grandma's love language is touch. So it's very important for my happiness that I get hugged. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. And from the age of three and a half onwards, she walks in the door and just lays a big hug on me. And she knows I'm going to tell her how much I love her. And she's, she's said to my husband, like in, without me there grandma's just so happy when I come here to visit <laughs> and she's right I am so she learned as a very small child what I needed to feel loved and then in turn she knows she gets what she needs because she just wants you to play Monopoly with her or do something with her we're the adventure grandparents okay so when I explained that to her I was like so this is something very similar these are different ways of people reacting to the world around them with their gifts there's something called sacred gifts you know how grandma and grandpa like to entertain people and you cleaned up the bathroom. Well, Mike, one of my coaches years ago uses that exact example in her training. I'm sitting in the sacred gifts course with Monique McDonald and she says, so she's kind of actually, let me back up. She's trying to get the room on page with different types of gifts and how to relate it to people. Cause lots of people don't see their own gifts. For instance, one of my best friends, Birta, she actually took this full course with me. I had already had a bit of an, a, a sample of it where she did, uh, Monique did this uh, three hour presentation inside of a whole weekend course. And then in, which touched on sacred gifts. Then in turn, I went and took her two day course with Beerta uh, about a year later and really kind of got into it a little 
little deeper. Anyways, so she's usually asking the audience questions that will trigger you as to, you know, what you th might think your gifts are. So for instance, Birta didn't think she had a gift of hospitality. Why? Because she compared herself to me, who is incredibly outgoing and hosts huge parties over the years and always has people over. That is not how Birta expresses her gift of hospitality. She's literally that person that will leave a key under the mat. And if she's not even home, she could be away on vacation. Let yourself in, make yourself at home. Total gift of hospitality. But she wasn't seeing it because it didn't manifest for her the same way as what she blatantly saw in front of her as one of her best friends, me, for 20 years. So it was very interesting when she realized, oh, I do have that gift. Yes, clearly you have that gift. Now, fact, I laughed out loud in the course, laughed right at her <laughs> because I knew she had that gift. So this is the kind of things that Monique will ask. Um, and one of the things was, how many people in the room, after they've washed their hands and ha are holding the paper towel, will wipe down the sink before they leave in a public washroom? And you know, a third to half of the room puts her hand up. And I put my hand up immediately. Well, duh, was my thought. That was my thought process. And she says, leave your hands up. Now look around the room. Oh, everybody doesn't do that? She goes, no, no, everyone doesn't do that. People with the gift of service do that. And everyone has a, oh, aha moment, okay? Those moments are fantastic. Well, there's my granddaughter. Just, I'm late for class, Grandma, because I'm wiping down the counters. I like to wipe everything down so no one gets wet the next time. And I'm like, <laughs> so my granddaughter. So anyways, I was explaining this to her, and she's like, oh, I get it now. And I explained a couple of other things. Like, she's too young to get it all in, but these are the things you just drip on them a little bit. And then their, their knowledge base just keeps expanding because once you know something, you know it. Once you take it in, it changes you. As, as my coach, um, Adam said this morning, you can't, it, you can't take the knowledge back. Your mind is just expanded. Your experience is now expanded with everything that you do say, believe, bring in, learn, go travel, whatever. Okay. So I was explaining to her about, you know, the, another gift called hospitality, about how grandma and grandpa, you know, entertain a lot. She goes, oh yes. And you know how your daddy and your Nana don't like that? Mm-hmm. Again, not their gifts. They have other gifts. My mother, for instance, no gift of hospitality, full gift of service. Didn't understand it growing up uh, until I took this course. She ran the kitchen at our church. She will do anything for you. And if my dad said we're having company, she looked after everything, but she's not the person that would ever invite you into her home ever. <laughs> the poor woman, I actually feel bad for her because for me, it's such a joy. And I think, isn't everybody missing this joy? But here's the thing as well. My coach, Monique, she has no gift of hospitality. She's one of those people that really doesn't even like you to come to her door unannounced. And I have another girlfriend that's like that as well. And I thought it was the weirdest, rudest thing ever. She goes, no, it's not. She says, you people that just open your door to the world, you're weird <laughs> to me. And I thought, oh, that's a kind of a valid point. We only, if we do not expand ourselves, we only think about ourselves the way we think about ourselves. We don't think about outside of our box or other people interacting with us. So what did I need to do? I needed to not think that. I needed to change the preconceived notion I had that people with that weird tendency not to want to open their door to the world, that they were wrong. They're not wrong. They're just different. Just like my granddaughter was in trouble for taking too long in the ladies' room 
in the girl's washroom, she needs to understand that her gift of service is something that is going to be innate to her, and it's a wonderful gift, but she also can't use as an excuse to be late for class and, and skip out of school. You, you, she had to find, find some balance there. But I wanted her to understand that this wasn't just some random reaction she was having, that there are other people in the world out there just like her. Okay? So one of the things she struggles with as well is comparing herself. Um, not really sure where this came from, but I know even a year ago, she had lost a good friend at school and someone was blonde. And for some reason, she was witnessing in her mind all the little blonde, pretty little girls at school getting whatever they wanted. Don't know where that came from. Don't know where that was, why all the brunettes, blackheads, and redheads were ignored. But for her, she fixated on that. She has heard something. She has seen something. She has made a connection in her childish mind. And then she started to do a lot of comparison and got angry and threw a fit. And it was really hard she was still quite young, to try and get her to understand that that was just a belief system, a, a limiting belief system on her part, but she's just a child. So it's really more, for when they're that young, you kind of have to approach it that there's a whole world of people out there that are all different and no one demographic does not get everything they want just because their hair is blonde. Um, that it's just, you know, those are limiting beliefs that we pick up through social media and magazines and stuff. Blondes have more fun? Sure. It's a cute saying. We all grew up with it. Do they really? Well, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I'm not blonde. <laughs> I'm a redhead. Um, I never thought much about it. It never actually even occurred to me in my life. But in the small child's mind, it did. And she was building a very, very strong case against herself because she's got brown hair. Yeah, no, that's not going to fly. So these are things when you hear your children saying like these things, your grandchildren, whatever, get on top of that immediately. If you're listening to my podcast right now, nine times out of 10, you're an adult and you're probably an adult in your thirties or forties, maybe even older. However, I know I have some younger listeners because they text me every now and then. Don't it, but if you're my age and you're older and you're listening to this, the reason we want to help the younger people is that they're not our age trying to break out of all these preconceived notions, all these th limiting beliefs we have, the things that we think are comparisons. If we can teach them when they're very young to be open and to let go of those, oh, I wish there was, what, uh, I use the term limiting belief, but there's also another expression I want to to associate with it, but it's just left my head. I'm sorry. If, if it comes to me, I'll repeat it back. But you know what I'm saying? These, they're lies. They're just lies we tell ourselves that are propagated by social media and magazines and the North American lifestyle and everything comes out of a bottle. You know, you can peroxide, peroxide yourself into popularity. None of that is true, but it's true because we give it power. So don't let your children think that. Don't give them those negative comparisons and let them give it power because it doesn't have power. It only has the power that we give it. Okay. That's really all I kind of want to talk about today. Um, just this, just the comparison is a big thing. I know I've spoken on it a couple times over the last few weeks, but it was just, it was just such a simple thing that Adam said to me today, Shelly, don't think that like whatever we were talking about in, in my coaching, he was just like, I need you to not to think that. And I say to you, as my audience, whatever it is in your life you think you're tri tripping up on, 
or you're struggling with something or negative thoughts, well, I'm giving you exactly the same advice. Don't think that. You need to make a conscious choice about the thoughts that go through your head. And it can be done. Again, it takes practice. It is a high-functioning habit. Very much a high-functioning habit. The only person you have control over is yourself. Your thoughts, your emotions, your body, your being. Everything else is out there and beyond your control. You might affect you might feel there's some situations you do have control in and that you, you know, bring, a, bring about certain um, results. Fair enough. But as far as that true feeling of power, that power strictly belongs to you. Also, something Adam's always telling me about, and I know I repeat it to you guys as well quite often. No matter what's going on in your life, the only common denominator is you. You are present in every situation that you are in. So if you're living in a life where you're always, it's blame, 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 or negative thoughts out there, think about that. That's, it's all originating with you. And on a final note then, let's run with this one because uh, it was one of the things he talked about when he, we opened up because I get frustrated sometimes about things you, I go through. And Adam always has a really great way of putting things. He says, you know what? Great. He cut his foot open this past week. Um, he tripped going up the stairs and kind of fell backwards and caught a, uh, a raised screw on his, on his, his step and he was wearing flip-flops, literally laid his foot open. Great. What's the lesson? And I put my back out. So I've been basically a week without work, and now I'm, I'm back, and I'm working a few hours, and then i got to lay down on a heating pad and get back to it. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a, I was going to say catch one. No, it's a pain in my butt is what it is. But I obviously needed to slow down, so the universe stepped in and said, well, the only way she ever stops is when I cripple her. So there goes the back. Yes, it was my fault. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have been doing the hedging whatever. But Adam was like, obviously I needed to learn from this as well. But he always says, whatever situation you're going through now, you can relate to someone else in that same situation. It's just a learning experience. This is another place for conversation. It's just another place to relate to someone else that you can build a relationship with. And I thought that's so true. We always, for the most part as humans, we generally, that's a better term, not always. There's never an always. There's no such thing as an absolute perfection. There's no such thing as 100%, guys. Most of the time, it has been my experience that I notice that people, we focus on the negatives. I do it myself. Crap, I've, I've hurt my back. I've cut my foot. Well, now I've got to go out and figure out what I did wrong, what I should have done, how I should have dealt with the recovery. Not gone back out into the garden a week later when I was still sore okay, I didn't get the hedger out, but I was still in the garden trimming things and on my hands and knees doing some gardening, even though I'd already arranged for a professional to come in for five hours and get things tidied up. I just wanted to be out in nature. Yep, strained it again. So now I'm back to the doctors the following Monday, which was two days ago, getting five prolotherapy injections into my lower back that two of them hurt like a mother, let me tell you. Uh, and I'm, guess what? <clears throat> Flat on my back again for two days. <laughs> Hmm, sometimes we're a little slow learning the lesson, but there's usually always a reason. So one of the things he likes to hammer home to me as my coach is to, for me to realize that things happen as they should. There are no mistakes, just lessons to be learned and to take that and move forward with it. And since I've given him all the credit for all this wise wisdom, I encourage you to please do the same. 
things happen as they should. They unfold as they should. They happen in the time of our lives when they should. Try not to look back at in a, in a life of coulda, woulda, shoulda, where you're living in regret. Be present, as Eckhart Tolle says, live in the now and accept that things happen. You are perfect. There are no mistakes. And these are just lessons to be learned. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you again for joining me today. And remember to focus on not living in regret. I invite you to subscribe to my show so you don't miss a thing. You can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at either High Functioning Habits or Living Well with Shell. And I invite you to leave a rating on my show about what you like best or message me with something you'd like me to speak on next. Remember, willpower will only get you so far that you better have a plan.